The Andy Staples Show is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deal on last-minute tickets. Ticket prices drop right before the game starts, and because GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, they're able to show you the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. The GameTime app is simple, quick, and easy to navigate. Download the GameTime app in Google Play or the App Store and score last-minute deals on tickets up to 60% off. Welcome to the Andy Staples Show post-championship game edition. This is going to be a little shorter edition of the show because we're going to come back after the College Football Playoff Selection Committee reveals its final rankings. We will come back when we know the playoff field. But right now, we have some guesses, and we have a controversy at the top. Who's going to be number one? I've got Bruce Feldman my colleague from The Athletic, and you also see him on Fox Sports. Here, we are in the Atlanta Bureau of The Athletic, also known as my hotel room. We have just been at the SEC Championship game. We have just watched the Big Ten Championship game, Bruce. Who you got for number one? I don't know, Andy. I'll be honest. This has gotten closer. Uh, My colleagues at Fox just ran a graphic not long after we... Uh, we started the fire this not long before we started this and uh, the graphic now look Fox has a deal with the Big Ten there is no deal with with the SEC network I don't know I hadn't noticed yeah um, so it said that there were five CFP top 25 teams uh, that Ohio State has on the resume four for LSU I do think the LSU wins are a little more top heavy and then we just saw them crush Georgia which I think 37 right, to 10. 14-point win against Florida. They also beat Auburn, which was probably, I would say, their toughest game. And then Alabama, of course. In Tuscaloosa, yeah. which is not – I get it. Alabama's a two-loss team, but still not insignificant. And that was also with Tua. Granted, you know, he was coming off an injury, but he was – you know, he played well. He was pretty darn good that game. Yeah. yeah. So – and then when you look at Ohio State's resume, I think what's happened a little bit today, this was the closest game Ohio State has played. They were down 21-7. to 7 against wisconsin now they're going to pull away and win we think 34 21 as we tape this it's going to be close where vegas is is very interested in this game at this point the rest of the world is not yeah but maybe do you think the committee is interested in this game i think so i i think they're looking at this and saying lsu has flexed the last two weeks they were dominant against texas a&m and i realize texas a&m is not a great team but they are a seven win team that played Maybe the nation's toughest schedule. Uh, then you've got Georgia, which was a 12, uh, you know 11-1 team coming into the game. The SEC's champ. They they had a very good win against Florida. They had a very good win against Notre Dame. You know this was a quality team with probably the the best statistical defense that LSU had played all year. And LSU toyed with that defense. Yeah, and I would argue that Georgia's probably a better win, or you know, never mind all the other games we're talking about. Georgia's a better win than I think Ohio State has. Like right now, if you're looking at what Ohio State has, the probably their their top win on the resumes are over Wisconsin. Yeah, two a- wins against Wisconsin, one going away, and one where they had to come back. And I, I will say this was a really impressive second half for Ohio State. They've They've looked great. If you'd have asked me at halftime, 
if Ohio State comes back and wins this game, is Ohio State going to be number two in the rankings? I'd say absolutely LSU is going to jump them. But after watching the second half, I'm not so sure. I, I think the committee is going to look at this and say, okay, this team has the potential to explode at any time. And look, Wisconsin's good. Wisconsin's got a good resume. If Wisconsin had held on to win this game, I would have said there's a real good chance Wisconsin gets in at four and not Oklahoma. And people would freak out about it unless you did a little blind resume action and looked at the win. So the fact that they're going to beat Wisconsin, we'll see if it's by 13 or if Wisconsin throws in some garbage time stuff. But I'm fine with that. But now, here's the thing. Number one is a big deal. I think I think you could argue that number one is a big deal for the first time in the history of the college football playoff because before it's been, you know, they're all kind of good or uh, the, the number one and number two teams are the big ones and, and you're waiting to see them in the final. This time, one, two, and three are kind of universally recognized as the teams that are the ones that are going to compete for the national title. Number four feels like it's on a different echelon. And everybody wants to be the team that doesn't have to play Clemson in the semifinals. Yeah, and I, I think just watching this, you know, it, to me it's it feels kind of like a toss-up at this point. I mean, I really think that, um, you know, when you look at this, at this Ohio State team, they're a more balanced team. But having said that, I think we've seen in the last couple of weeks, especially against Georgia – LSU's defense has come around. Now, some of it, I think a lot of people, you know, read a ton into the Ole Miss game. The Ole Miss game, especially the second half where John Rice Plumlee ran all over uh, that defense. Now, they were down 28 to nothing at half. I think part of what's happened there is Grant Delpit has gotten healthy, and that's a big difference when you had a guy who was an All-American now starting to play like a really good player again. I think that was a hole in the middle of their defense, and I think without that, um, I think they're a different team. I still think Ohio State has a better defense, but I don't think Ohio State's offense is as good as it is. It, like Joe Burrow's, you know, we, if we can talk about him for a second, Joe Burrow is going to, and I know both of us are Heisman voters, we're not supposed to talk He's going to win. It's okay. You can He's say He's not only going to win. I think Joe Burrow is going to win by a bigger margin than has, we've ever seen in the Heisman. It's, it, yeah. It's funny because... The LSU fans got mad at me when I, I tweeted out that you should wait to watch all the games before you, you vote. And I say that every year. I, had, I didn't even think about who was in it this year relative to, to last year or the year before or what the margin was going to be. But you're right. I mean, Joe Burrow had this thing wrapped up three weeks ago. For, for us voters, I'm pretty sure, for the most case, most part, you are trying to decide between two and three who's going to be on your ballot there. And that that is an interesting question. There's no question who number one's going to be on most of the ballots. No, I mean, not only that, I'm sitting there looking at it going, okay, well, you know, at one point I had Chase Young number two. Chase Young has, hasn't been a huge factor. I mean, he's been a factor, but a huge factor in, in these last couple of games. And obviously he was suspended for two other games. Uh, you know, J.K. Dobbins had a really good year, but there's been a few running backs who've had really good years. As I'm, you know, watching, it's like, man, I, you know, we my TV crew did four Jalen Hurts games. I didn't come away like his numbers are really good, but I didn't it, come it away. It seems thinking, like he's regressed as the season's gone on, yeah, or maybe they're some, just playing better teams. Some of those turnovers, and and so 
uh, I think it's going to be really hard to put a two and three in there, more so than I can remember. Usually I felt like there was always four candidates. You felt like you were snubbing somebody. Now I feel like it's just Joe Burrow. Well, let me throw a guy in there, and I'm, I'm not giving too much away. And Heisman Trust, if you're listening, I'm not revealing the order of my ballot. But Derek Brown from Auburn affected games more than just about anybody I watched all season. Ooh. We are watching the very end of Jack the Ohio Hall State. Jack just got lit up by somebody. Yeah, it wasn't, wasn't Chase Young, but he uh, Chase Young was uh, very much in, in Jack Cohn's grill for, for much of the last part of the game. Yeah. Um, so anyway, back to, back to this. I, I'm curious to see what the committee's going to do at this point. It wouldn't surprise me either way whether whether o- Ohio State got, got leapfrogged because of a, the Georgia win. It would also wouldn't surprise me if they held serve. I mean, they did come back to win. I think there's going to be controversy either way because of what you said. Well, somebody's going to be mad because somebody's going to have to play Clemson. And uh, look, Oklahoma is a good team, and their defense is definitely better than it was last year. But listen, this is not Kyler Murray running Oklahoma's offense with this defense. This is Jalen Hurts which is good, but it's not the same thing as Kyler Murray or Baker Mayfield. And there's a very big difference between that and the Clemson team that seems to be in complete buzzsaw mode at this mode. I will say one thing, though. I think with Lincoln Riley, with some time, with C.D. Lamb, you know, I think this will be as good an offense as either one of those teams you know, I've seen in a while. Now, Alabama is, is really dynamic, but I think – you know, so is what Lincoln Riley does. Whereas I don't feel like Ohio State quite saw that level of no, they of didn't. Firepower. Michigan had really good receivers, and you saw Shea Patterson hit uh, Michigan a few guys not, for Michigan some big has games good receivers. Yeah. I don't think Michigan's receivers are anywhere near as good. Not Ceedee Lamb. Lamb. Yeah. No, no, Ceedee Lamb is is another level. He's maybe the best receiver in the country, and that's uh, that's with all due respect to the guys at Alabama and the and the guys at LSU, and but Ceedee Lamb is a different cat because. Nobody that small should be able to break as many tackles as he does, and he's that fast. So I do think, especially what we've seen from LSU's defense, you know, and, and even in this game against Georgia, Georgia came out firing. I, I actually think Georgia had the right idea offensively. They just couldn't execute it. They were getting open. It was either they dropped the ball or Fromm missed the, the guy. But – they probably could have scored on that first series and should have scored on that first series when they, they came out really flinging it down the field. And if they had, you know, maybe talking about a 13-10 game at halftime, maybe it's different. I don't know. but Or or Terrace Marshall catches a 71-yard touchdown pass. Yeah, that, he did drop a, a wide-open touchdown pass. But that's the thing. LSU does seem vulnerable at times to that, but I think Ohio State would be equally vulnerable to an offense like Oklahoma's. Just uh, curious, since you mentioned we were talking Georgia a little bit, so this is the first time I really saw them in person, and I saw them on TV a couple times, saw them not look, you know, lose to a really bad South Carolina team. If you're a Georgia fan, you, you came close to a national title, and now all of a sudden you got all these guys back, and you just got embarrassed. I mean, I looked up at the, I don't know, late in the third quarter, and almost every, it was like the half the stadium was empty. Well, I mean, it was 75% Georgia fans at least, or maybe 80% at the beginning of the game. So I, I wrote this column for The Athletic, and you can read it right now if you're listening to this podcast. Kirby Smart needs to make the same decision that Ed Orgeron made. He needs to decide that the the 
philosophy. And it's not an offensive philosophy. It is a holistic game management philosophy that Kirby Smart needs to change because he is kind of stuck in the old way that we can play good enough defense that we don't need to score all those points. We We can control the clock and play great defense, and that is the safer way to win games. It is not the safer way to win games anymore. You have to be able to win games that way, and you also have to be able to win shootouts. Now, what's interesting is the team that they took to the national title game did win one of the all-time great shootouts in the Rose Bowl against Oklahoma. It was capable of doing both things. This team was not capable of that. I I saw this team at its best against Florida. So who is going to be their Joe Brady? It might be Mike Bobo. And I see you scowling. Well, I, I, look, I like Mike Bobo. It's just like I don't remember Mike Bobo being Joe Brady. That's because we were all screaming, run the damn ball, Bobo. But the fact of the matter is, Bobo was trying to change with the times as they went through. He also kept a lot of things together in some tumultuous times for that staff. Like when Jeremy Pruitt was the defensive coordinator and there was some some strife internally. The end of Mark Richt was basically when Bobo left. Rick could not survive after Bobo left. And the other thing about Bobo that I think is interesting, and this is specific to Kirby Smart, they played together. They're very good friends. Bobo can tell Kirby Smart what he thinks, and he ain't afraid of him. And I think Kirby might need somebody like that. I'm curious to see where they – like, I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see the two teams that I'm fascinated by this offseason are the ones who played in the Sugar Bowl last year. Texas, who obviously was not back because they lost five games, and now Tom Herman's shaking up can, the staff. Can I throw another name at you for Georgia? I'm assuming Bobo's going to go, but let's let's say he, he says, nope, in terms of my former secondary teammates from Georgia, I like Will Muschamp better. I'm going to go to South Carolina. I don't think that's what's going to happen. Well, let's say he does. There's a guy you and I both know at Tulane yeah. named Will Hall who knows this part of the country and knows yes. the state of Georgia. He, he, really is, well. he has been a head coach at Division II, a very successful head coach at West Alabama and at West Georgia. He then went to become an FBS offensive coordinator. He's worked at Louisiana Lafayette. He's worked at Memphis, and now he's at Tulane. Uh, his offensive line coach was Sam Pittman's GA at Georgia last year, Sam Pittman, the great O-line coach at Georgia, who obviously is going to still be there no matter what they do with the OC position. Will Hall runs the ball more than 60% of the time in his offense. But it is a very explosive offense, and it is a very efficient offense. It might actually be the perfect offense for Georgia. Now, Joe Brady's going to stay at LSU. We asked him about it tonight. He he made he was pretty clear that he's staying there. We know that, that he's going to get some extra money and a, and a better title, and that's great. He's earned it. I think had he left... Let's say an NFL team had poached him or he'd gone somewhere. I think Will Hall would have been on the short list to be the offensive coordinator at LSU. So that should tell you that the folks who picked out Joe Brady and identified him think this guy's pretty good too. So I'm just saying, if you're if you're looking around or if Mike Bobo pulls the shocker, it's worth checking into. But they do need they, it's it's more. I, I don't even know if it's so much the OC as the head coach's philosophy. He has to accept that maybe winning games 21-10 is not the best way to go anymore. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I mean, it's a it's definitely um, going to be something that Kirby Smart is going to have some serious thought about. But what's interesting to me is he was on Nick Saban's staff when Saban did that. 
when Saban came to that realization, which was after the 2013 season, by the way. Yeah, I just think some of it is, is you know, it, it's in their DNA. And I think when you look at, at Kirby Smart, so much of, of what they've done um, has been very conservative. It's just that I just... Certain guys don't change. Ed Ogeron has been willing to change more so than almost any of these guys, where a lot of them just are reluctant to get out of their comfort zone. Les Miles would ne- never want to No, get and that's the- why Ed Ogeron is the coach and Les Miles isn't right, right now. And Kirby Smart is facing the same sort of expectations at Georgia that Les Miles faced at LSU. Let's be honest. Kirby Smart has been great at Georgia. He's won an SEC title. In, in four years, he won an SEC title. He's won a Rose Bowl. He's been a miracle pass away from winning a national title. He's won three consecutive SEC East titles. That is a very good tenure, except it's not good enough at Georgia because they fired Mark Richt and hired Kirby Smart to win national titles. Yeah, I, I'm. if you're a Georgia fan, I think you're just kind of like, we're, we're very good, we're not great. And Kirby knows this. He said it a million times, he understands. So we're not saying anything that he's not heard before he knows that his job is to win the national title. And you know Are they close? I think they I, I think they're as close as LSU was last year. That if you look at Joe Burrow's stats this year or last year and Jake Fromm's stats this year, they are nearly identical. Now Jake Fromm doesn't have Joe Burrow's wheels, but if you put Jake no, Fromm if you put Jake Fromm in LSU's offense, I bet it would still go. He's a very smart guy. Uh you know, he can make those great back shoulder throws, you could make an offense around him that is really good. Yeah, uh, we'll see. I'm a little call me a little skeptical right now. All right, let's get back to the teams that that have a chance to win the national title. The one we haven't really talked about, and nobody talks about them because nobody watches their games because they're always crushing people. Clemson, they went 62 to 17 against Virginia in the ACC championship. They are in complete buzzsaw mode. And we talked about Oklahoma matching up against Ohio State or LSU's defense. What about Trevor Lawrence, Travis Etienne, T. Higgins, and Justin Ross? Yeah, I mean, I think if it's against Ohio State, I do want to see how they hold up against Chase Young in a D-line that's 13 deep. I think that would be very interesting, a matchup. Um, Whereas with LSU, I think you're looking at a big, big shootout. I think... Clemson may be the best team in the country, and we don't know it because the rest of the ACC didn't bother to hold up its end of the bargain. How much do you think it is a problem, not in the committee's eyes, because that's certainly a problem, but that's why they're third, is that they really, except for that, that like, whatever, late September game against North Carolina, nobody's really tested them. And so you're no, going to go through all. the playoffs, and it's like, or you're going to go into the playoffs where you really haven't been pushed in a long time. But you can't fault them for crushing everybody. No, I'm not I mean, faulting they, them yeah. at all. I'm just saying, like, is that is that a, a, a thing where you just, like, you know, we see this little bit with basketball teams when they go into March Madness where they just pummeled people and then all of a sudden they get into a tough game. Yeah. Oh, what do we do? They, what do we do? And then yeah. they lose. But we've seen Clemson win one of those. And the thing is, we've seen the core group of this Clemson team Win a but couple team, of but those. But teams changed. Like last night, so last night I was, uh, I guess I should say uh, Friday night, um, the night before the SEC title game. So I'm with LSU, and I spent 
this week with them. And one of the things that, that Steve Ensminger, the offense coordinator, said to the team at one point was, uh, you know, people are talking about how this is a, you know, this is going to be their revenge game, like it was ours for A and M. And he was like, first of all, we're a lot different than we were last year, and I, I do think teams do change a lot. So, well, absolutely. I mean, Clemson's defense does not have those great leaders that they had last year. That said, they're a different defense too. They turn people over more. Mm-hmm. I think they're more aggressive now than they used to be. I, I'm excited to see that 2-3 game. That 2-3 game is going to be probably more anticipated than a lot of national title games in the last few years. Whether whether it's Clemson, LSU, or Clemson, Ohio State, it is going to be spectacular. Oh, I'm with you. Can't wait. All right, Bruce, before we let you go, your gut. Who you got? One, two, three, and four. How's it going to go? Uh, my guess is it's going to be uh... – I think it's going to be LSU, Ohio State, Clemson, Oklahoma. I think so, too. I, I think because of the way LSU dominated last week and this week, the committee may flip it. And, you know, it's going to be a big deal because the difference between playing Oklahoma and the difference between playing Clemson is very significant. I think it's Andy. I think some of it is human nature where it's like this is the last thing we've seen. And people spent four hours watching Oh. LSU crush a, a top five team that was kind of a home game, by the way. Oh, 80% Georgia fans. Now, I, I will argue that Wisconsin's a really good team, and beating Wisconsin by 13 yeah, is pretty darn good. It is, but they were also down 21-7 to at half. And I just think that for people looking at it going, okay, we're giving you the eyeball test because your resume, while good, isn't quite as good as theirs if you look at the top teams they played. And then this happens. Look, I, I think Wisconsin is a very good team, but I just think losing, you know, losing twenty-one-seven at half is 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 a little bit going to get people's attention. All right, we will be back right after the playoff pairings are announced. We'll break down the matchups. We'll talk to the beat writers that cover those teams. It's going to be very exciting. But this morning is going to be very tense because for the first time, it matters who's number one and who's number two. I think we know who the four are, but who's one and who's two, that's the big one. We'll find out later today, and then we'll be back to break it all down right here on the Andy Staples Show. Thank you for listening.